Good evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Wednesday, August 30th in the year 2023. Great interview last hour with whistleblower Aaron Stevenson. If you didn't get a chance to hear that interview, highly recommend that you check it out. This is a real amazing story, very compelling and, and just incredible of a guy that was an atheist and in the process of realizing the wrong that was being done, not only did the right thing by becoming a whistleblower, but it found his way to Jesus along the way. It's really a powerful story, compelling to how God works and really makes us all reflect on the paths that we walk. Because God calls people, and when he calls them, it doesn't matter where they are. When they hear the call, he's going to bring them. And that's what is most powerful about all of that. We're in a pretty intense time. Lots of things are starting to unravel. There's lots of strange messages surfacing out here of where we're going. And increasingly, we're, we're looking at a collapse of things in a magnitude that I think will shake most people in the nation. And things are happening in that level. You can't deny it. We're going to talk a bit about that and put that in context of Scripture tonight by looking closely at Joel 3, which I think is going to be eye-opening. Tell a little bit of parallel to that as well. Patriots, one thing right now is extremely important is to do what you can to protect your wealth. And that means your hard-earned retirement savings in particular. We're in a situation right now where there's a lot of uncertainty in the market and the markets are shifting and the dollar is declining in value as the federal government continues to print money and add more debt to the register. And at the end of the day, there's going to have to be an accountability to that. That accountability is going to result in people's savings ultimately being destroyed. So don't let that happen to you. So if you text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That's three nine eights. Nine eight nine eight nine eight. Text Bards. You're gonna get a free info kit from Birch Gold. It's free. You might as well do it and get the information so you can start to make the assessment. And in so in doing, you're gonna gain information to make a good decision on what you're going to do with your retirement accounts. Birch Gold has served Bards Nation here for over a year. They've done a fantastic job. And they're just continuing to be there as the stewards and guides in a very critical time. So in this hour, when so many things are uncertain financially, don't be caught short. It's really important. We, precious metals-backed IRAs are a critical way of helping preserve your wealth, especially a wealth that you've worked hard to do, but unfortunately is sitting in paper dollars without any currency value. So don't get caught short. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. And let Birch Gold send you that free info packet so you can begin your study and decision today. There is just such craziness going on. I want to actually begin tonight with some grounding. We all know that Oliver Anthony, which is not his real name, but he did the blues song. And in the process, there's been tremendous amount of accusations to the guy, which should be expected. I mean, I would hope at this point in time we can discern what's going on. Whatever he is or was, the guy is out here talking some pretty hard truths, and 
There's been a lot of speculation and theory starting to percolate up on the fringe of the movement again to try to suggest that he's one thing or another. But I want you to just hear these words from him. He was on Joe Rogan. And I just think it's a it's a pretty candid and straight discussion about where he's at. Take me to what what you did. Did you start reading the Bible? Like, what did you do? I just changed my perspective. Um, you changed. You, you, I quit like, worrying about me, and I started worrying about what what it is that I'm supposed to do. You know, like it talks in the Bible about um, about being a servant, and you know, giving up. I guess my desire and my will and whatever it is that I that I want to do, like um, I don't, I don't know the best way to describe it, but it's about it's about trying to use what I have as a tool versus doing what I can in the moment to give what give myself whatever satisfaction that it is I'm trying to get. You know, it's about letting trying to let go of your ego, I guess, in a way. Um, mm. And I mean, people people pursue that mentality without faith i mean it's the idea of there being something bigger than you but i think inherently all human beings idolize something like it talks in the bible about false idols we all have false idols like whether it's our phone or it's a celebrity or it's something we do or it's our addiction to food or drugs or whatever but like it's very difficult for a human to be the biggest thing on their hierarchy there's always something above us right because we're always in pursuit of something bigger than whatever it is in that moment and I think for me, it was just about taking everything else, all the distractions and all the other things in my life away and just ensuring that at least, and look, I'm, st it, we're all, we're all, we all sin and we all do stupid things. Like we're all just people, nobody's special or righteous. People sometimes act like they're special and righteous, but we're all just the same thing. Like, um, but it's just about trying to make that, make that my idol, make, make, make God and the concept of what it is that he wants done on this earth, my idol versus anything else, you know, like we all serve, we all serve some master, whether we realize it or not. So why not let it be the master that is above all. God's making a big call right now to a lot of people because there's a lot of big things happening and it's really an issue of answering the call, which I find very interesting because those are the words God gave me to, named this last year's mm -hmm. Christmas video, which was answering the call. That was the theme. And it's proven to be the theme for the year, answering the call. So we heard the whistleblower for the last hour. He answered the call. We've heard some other whistleblowers in the last few weeks. They've answered the call. Anthony Oliver Anthony answered the call. And that's all we're doing. It's not about stepping out into the place of trying to be some thrown up in limelight or big spotlights and billboards and trying to be something. It's, it's answering the call and doing what God wants us to do. And in this hour, that conversation is happening a lot. And it's something now to really pay attention to where it is in your life. Yesterday, I, um, I mean, there was a pretty good show last night, pretty much on fire. In the last couple of nights, Bards Fest, Bards Fest, Bards FM, which just so I say, Bards Fest tickets are available, donation only. So recommended donations, $100. No one is denied. Great event. We're going to have more and more details on what's coming up. Great people and great speakers. Three days in Flemingsburg, Kentucky. It's going to be awesome. So lots of camping, hotels nearby within 
reasonable distance. So I would highly recommend you come. It's just going to be a pretty amazing assembly of people. And it's really going to be that hour that I think is going to be very critical for our nation once again. So, Bart's FM, in the last couple of nights, have been pretty much on fire. And that's just straight Holy Spirit stuff. And I think sometimes when I get behind the mic, it's, it's kind of like, man, dude, you were on fire tonight. And it's like, I'm on fire because God leads me on fire, not because I'm on fire. And I think in the, in the beginning days of the podcast, I wouldn't have said that. Matter of fact, I know I wouldn't have said that. But I do say it today because when I step behind a mic every night, it's, there's a conversation ongoing with God. It's like, what are we going to do tonight? And some nights it's pretty clear. And some nights it's not. In the last couple of nights, last night and the night before, I really kind of sat into the mic and was like, okay, Father, we just, let's do this. And I don't know where you want me to go, but it's yours. Guide me. The message last night was on fire. And it was a, f- a message that is really much on point to where I think God is leading us. So this morning I received 3.33, thereabouts. I know it's actually, that's when, that's when the, this message was sent to me by Pete Chambers. He woke up at 3.33 this morning. And he did his morning Bible reading and he was led to Joel 3. And why I'm bringing this in is because he read Joel 3, then he listened to the podcast, and I, I, wrote some other, I wrote some other notes to some guys that I shared with him. And all of these things lined up. And this is really how God works, is he's working through many of us in a tapestry to bring a message forward so that we hear it in the many different languages and the many different colors that he has within the body of Christ. And in this time where we are right now, I think that it's important that we pay attention to those synchronicities and those places where perhaps in an old way of walking, we would brush them off as coincidence or unusual or that's interesting. Today, I would highly encourage you to pay attention because things are moving relatively quickly. The world is unraveling. The Tower of Babylon is falling. And you're going to hear from Edward Dowd tomorrow night. And Ed was very clear that we are past the globe. We are post-globalism now. But that doesn't mean it just goes away overnight. We are in a deconstructed period where it's falling apart. And we're going to have to kind of ride this wave. And I guess in a true honoring of Hawaii, it's going to be like, you know, hang 10, hang on to that wave and ride it till its end. Right? Because it's going to get a little dicey. But what's going to make the difference is how we approach it, both in the sense of our communities and each other as neighbors, but also listening to the fact that there is something coming. It's big. And some are being called in different ways, but there is something that God's calling us to. So I want to read through this through Joel 3 here. And, and it is the nations in, in the NASB 1995 edition, the, the header on this is the nations will be judged. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them, 
with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance, Israel, whom we have scattered among the nations. And they will they have and they have divided up my land. They have also cast lots for my people, traded a boy for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. It's amazing when we come to passages in, in Scripture, and we're going to continue this in a minute, but the relevance to these Scriptures, like if you read Romans one eighteen to 32, it's, it's stunning how the parallels are so fitting to this hour. And ultimately, as is said in Romans, and this is a, you could link Romans one eighteen to 32 to Joel 3, which is God gave them up for they who chose to, to worship the creature rather than the creator. In this case, this is the outcome of this, where you're literally, people have casted lots, traded a boy for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. This is the, this is the fall of humanity. And if we look around right now, we see this. It's here. And it's despicable. We're seeing this, this level. We have children flowing across the border, unaccompanied. And what's really stunning is when you, when you listen to that and understand what's going on, as we heard already in a previous interview, these are people that are coming to the border and they're, they're literally, as they step into the border, they're, these are terrorists. And I believe you heard this tonight, in fact. These are terrorists that are finding a way to sponsor children on the other side of the border and then bring them across. So there's a lot of questions that go there and to the, the, to the collapse of society. Where are their parents? How did they get to the border unaccompanied? What is their origin? Who are they? Are these kids being stolen from families? Where's the outrage of the families? Are they being stolen? Here's one for you. This is a disturbing one. Or are these children being birthed in clinics? where women are being held to have birthing and so that they can just simply raise up these kids and then bring them to the border to have somebody bring them in so they become part of a greater network. We don't have the answer to this. They are unaccompanied and undocumented. They don't exist in the current system. Where are they coming from? But this is the the fall of the nations. And as a nation that we are, we are being judged right now. And it's really our role here to stand in this hour. I think when we go through this, there's often this idea that, you know, hey, we're good with Jesus. We're going to be okay. I don't really know that that's exactly correct. And hear me out. Nations will be judged, will be judged in our lifetime. And our role here as we sit in this fallen world is to raise up the body of Christ, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to heal the broken and the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, and to do greater works. We have that as a mission, but it didn't say that mission would be easy, nor would you be comfortable. You're in a combat zone. And I think most importantly about Joel 3 is we start to realize that as this message is out there and and the messages that I'm speaking and these things start to line up, We start to realize that I think that God is giving us a glimpse into the reality of where we are. Our comfort, our convenience is starting to fall apart. 
We're feeling that. We can sense it. We know something's happening. We don't know what it is. And I do believe we're arriving at a brink of something that will never be forgotten. It'll be a, it'll be a moment where I think we're going to have to face the end. Because that's part of this scripted hell that they've used. And literally, I'm increasingly, I'm, it's not just increasingly convinced, I am convinced that the people, these, the, real, the puppet masters of this world, where we call them the deep state, the, the cabal, the international cult of satanic worshipers, whatever we're calling them, they have the, a leverage that we've never imagined before. They have the power and infiltration on every single institution in this world. And in particular, they've had the power and influence on every pulpit, nearly every pulpit in this nation. They don't own all of them. There's a number of them remain that are truly in God's light. But the church and the pulpit have been deeply compromised by this network of people, and including the physical church itself. The temples have been turned into the Pharisees' model rather than the temples of worshiping God and Jesus. And with that, this we've seen a rise of this revelation concept. I'm not saying don't read the book of Revelation. I'm not saying Revelation is not true. What I'm saying is I don't believe we're in Revelation. And I believe it's being used as a script for the naive and easily misled to lead them away from the truth of where we are. Revelation is a script. If you look at the world, they're using it as a script. And we keep saying like, well, you know, this is, we're in Revelation. We're in this chapter. And I, and I will remind you that God has always told us that only the Father knows the time and the place. But worse yet, we've also been warned about false prophets. And people are calling out here saying, this will happen on this date. God has said very clearly that false prophets, the punishment will be death. So it, it's... It's an interesting trap and paradigm that people get caught into when they start to look at the revelation theory and start to tell you where we are on that and what events have to happen and when this is going to happen and the world is going to end and whatnot. And what it ends up being is very disarming and disempowering to leave a body of Christ unwilling to stand and unwilling to move forward, but instead waiting for someone else to fix it for them. And that's the risk in the world that we live right now. And I believe that it's going to truly be the ultimate separation, the ultimate threshing floor of those that realize that our mission, no matter what we do, is to press in, press forward, and continue to do those foundational things. Spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heal the sick and broken. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Do greater works. And to have that room within us that gives God room for wrath. But sometimes that wrath, just like with David, will be God leading our hand. And we have to be aware of that. And that, again, kind of throws the script on its head where you're hearing this peace at any cost narrative of Jesus. But Jesus wasn't peace at any cost. He flipped tables. He pulled out a, a, a whip. He challenged the Pharisees, called them names, and defamed them in the middle of their temple. Those are profound things. He he went he stood him put himself between the accusers and the adulteress. And when we say there was no peace at any cost, he brought peace at the risk of his own life. They could have thrown stones at him. And he didn't heal the situation. He forced a deep reflection in people. And in the adulteress, gave her these words: "Go and sin no more." 
which of course, you know, you hear this, it's like, well, that's not, he didn't really mean sin. He just meant like that particular thing. It's like, well, I don't know. That's what he said. Jesus said it, I guess, you know, <laughs> you have to weigh that one. The words are said by Jesus and that was pre-cross. So just saying But we, I think we are really starting to awaken to the greater purpose here and who we are. And so I want to continue with this because there's a lot in Joel 3. Moreover, what are you to me, O Tyre, Sidon, and the regions of Philistia? Are you rendering me a, a recompense? But if, you do, if, but if you do recompense me swiftly and speedily, I will return your recompense on your head. Since you have taken my silver and my gold, brought my precious treasures to your temple and sold the sons of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their territory. Behold, I am going to arouse them from the place where you have sold them and return your recompense on their head. Also, I will sell your sons and daughters into the hand of the sons of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabians, to a distant nation, for the, for the Lord has spoken." Proclaim, among, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare a war. Rouse the mighty men. Let all the soldiers draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a mighty man. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down, O Lord, your mighty ones. Let the nations be aroused and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for the wickedness is great. Multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars lose brightness. The Lord roars from Zion. He utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth tremble. But the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy, and strangers will pass through it no more. We are coming to an hour of calling, I believe. And either way, I think we can we can pretty much look ahead and see that there's going to be, there is a continued calling upon our hearts to do the right thing. Wielding a sword right now takes many, many forms. And the plowshares that you you use to make your sword takes many forms. Some of those swords are going to be swords of truth and speaking truth and standing up to what is right. And for those that are sitting within the bowels of government or corporate boardrooms or places where you know that evil is going wrong, if you are not speaking truth to power and bringing it to the surface, you're not walking with the pathway that God is calling you. I'm just being straight. God is needing his children to step forward now, and there's no more meshing around on this. The hesitation of people to step forward and speak truth to power has been part of the reason that we're still here in this loop. 
And we have to start doing this. There's been great examples of it. And we've also seen the trials over the last three years of people patiently challenging the authorities, challenging those in positions of power, patiently challenging the, the mask issues, trying to be respectful to an enemy, trying to show that we still are trying to be reasonable to people that are locked into a narrative of fear or locked into the concept that they have power and authority over another. But they aren't sovereign over me. They're not sovereign over you. Only our God has the authority over us. And God gave us our rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were given to us by our Father. Not by a piece of paper, not by a king, not by a magistrate, not by a president. And so the rumblings now within the nation are great. People are realizing that the time is near, that something big is about to happen. You can feel it. What is that? Is it the collapse of the economy? Is it COVID-Con 2.0? Is it an exposure of child sex trafficking? Is it the Hunter Biden laptop? Is it Joe Biden's going to collapse and die of Marburg or something like that to shock and awe the entire world? Is it going to be nuclear war from in Ukraine or into Germany or even a threat of nuclear war against us? All of these things are on the table. And so the question really is, where do we walk in all of this? We have a responsibility to the greater world right now to help awaken them, but more importantly, to lead them. And leadership is what is most lacking in our time. We also have this problem of idolatries. Oliver Anthony's comment at the beginning of this was about idols, that we have to crush our idols and put our eyes only on God. And God is working us through this. And the idols are many, whether it's sports teams, which we've now seen and witnessed how they have become woke and broken or Luciferian. Or maybe, you're, maybe it was the stars in Hollywood, as we've learned more about them, to learn that many of them were involved in pedophilia or child sex trafficking or some sort of ritual power systems to like have to turn, have gay sex or something crazy like that, which is regular. That's how they gain their rank and power. Submitting themselves, signing a contract in blood to give their soul away. All real. Or is, you know, we, we, look, we look at these idols and we look at technology as an idol and we have to start coming to grips with the fact that AIs are literally being developed to outthink us, outplay us, and to replace us. Robotics are being developed to do the tasks that men and women should be doing. And the question is, will you follow that path where it, te- it teases you with convenience or will you stand up and say no? Technology is trying to replace the written word where we literally use our voice and finger text and we no longer learn how to write with pen and paper. All of these things are leading towards a massive collapse. Financial systems are being stressed. Debt is mounting at unprecedented levels. And every time things go wrong, the government simply prints more money, which is more debt. We see fires becoming normalized, whether it's in Lahaina, whether it's in Canada, whether it's in South Africa, whether it's here in the Northwest. It's becoming the new normal that every year about this time, fires magically corrupted, evolve out of the land, 
how that happens is a mystery. We just simply know that it's an event that happens and it becomes part of the new normal. Carbon monoxide is being stripped from the air with these massive collectors that they're using. And in so doing, they're reducing carbon monoxide globally to where plants are going to start feeling it and not growing as well. Food resources are collapsing. I mean, what is the event that's going to happen? The answer is probably all of them. Because they're all lining up for some massive clash and implosion. And some more quickly than others, but all of them are happening. The global supply chain system that was designed to make life convenient and easy and more efficient, more profitable, to raise the wealth of the few is breaking. And it's broken, but it's breaking even faster now. All of this leads us to a couple of choices. Do we want to walk in that panic and fear of trying to run and, and trying to stay ahead of the wave? Or do we want to sit ourselves boldly within the words of God and understand that it is time now to turn your plowshares into swords and prepare to make a stand in this hour? Because this is now the nation being judged. And I think it's important for us to realize that the strength that we walk with Jesus is not just internal, it isn't private, but it's where we, how we walk in this world. And we need that power and that strength and that foundation now in our communities to lead them. And that is something that's been given to us to do. Because God doesn't do things just by saying, okay, you're good, kid. I'm, I'm just going to call it good. We'll fast, give you the fast track program and away you go. That's not the way this life works. That's not the way God works. God's going to put the, the entire nation under a trial. We are being judged. It's a threshing of a sort, like I've said. And in this threshing, we're starting to see who steps in and steps up into that place of walking truly in kingdom and with the heart of Jesus and who succumbs to the fear and the obedience to a state that's built completely on a Babylonian model of enslavement and subjugation. But we have to make those choices now. And there's no walking in the middle. There's people that are still tell, trying to tease themselves into believing that they can, not, they can put a little bit of foot one way and avoid another, another way, but they don't have to really commit to God, but they can tell themselves that they're spiritual and that they can try to tell themselves it's going to be okay and we're going to kind of walk this narrow path and not commit. In the end, that won't be possible. Because in the end, everybody will face that judgment of the hand of God. And for those that are, have misled themselves, but even more tragically, for those that have not had the opportunity for someone to introduce them to the word and passions of Jesus, woe be to us where we have failed to do our bidding as God gave us that task to do, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to be walking in a place right now where we understand that we are walking in a battlefield. The war is waging. Your plow, plowshares that are being turned into swords could be your words that are being shaped to the sword of spirit. It could be a physical transition from where you are to a preparation for a physical battle. That is where God is leading you. But the fact of the matter is that God is calling all of his children in this hour, and I have no doubt saying that. And it's a critical hour that each one and in each station where you are in your life has a place in this fight and in this army.
It's an amazing army with unbelievable depth and unbelievable resiliency and unbelievable talent in the finest of details. It is so great and it's so dispersed. It is so embedded in trend, embedded in dis, and distri, uh, distributed around the enemy's camps. The enemy cannot defend nor does it know where every single person is. And greater than this is as we stand mightily in the, in the Holy Spirit and we pray ourselves into this armor of God, the enemy can't see us well sometimes can't see us at all because we're protected by God. The wings are around us, protecting us and shielding us from the enemy's sight. Think about how nerve-wracking that would be as an enemy, where you literally know that you're surrounded, but you can't see your enemy. That's us. And as we stand in that hour, and we are in that hour, each one of us has the duty and responsibility to listen to the Lord and to lean in and to start being bold and to start stepping into doing the things we need to do. As the world gets shaken, those that have turned away from God, those that have worshipped the creature rather than the creator, those that have tried to tell themselves they have a faith but have no relationship with Christ, they're not understanding the root and the power and the strength that that represents. And perhaps it's because they've never learned it. Maybe they've had a bad experience in church. Maybe they've had trauma when they were young. Maybe it was something that happened where they were church became an abusive in, environment rather than a productive environment. Maybe church became suppressing, smothering as it does so well. It literally should be a sin to turn the gospel into something boring and not exciting. I just don't know how that happens. But that happens all the time, unfortunately especially when we're dealing with dead stone walls and pulpits that have been deeply corrupted. But we aren't bound by that. We aren't bound by dead stone walls. We aren't bound by dead pulpits. In fact, we're set free. And it's something that each one of us needs to take a breath and step back on and realize the gift that God has given us in this hour. Because we have been released from that bondage. We've been put into the world to revive the church in the vision that Christ had. To bring the church into the world and into the home and into people's lives. I've said to you many times, and I continue to say it in public to other people. I do not identify as a Christian. Because that brand is so heavily tainted. I identify as a follower of Jesus. So in an era of how do you identify, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are I love Jesus. Get on, get on the train. And that's truly where we are, is we have to step into that might and be bold. Because if, it, if you think about what I just said, the one word that seems to trigger the left and trigger people the most is when you truly say Jesus, and people are like, oh, I don't know if I like that. Um, I, 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 are you a Christian? No, I'm a follower of Jesus. And you can, see, you can almost see the cringe on many people because it's uncomfortable hearing the term Jesus Christ or Jesus. But that's who we are. That's our mission. And we're defined by the mission. And it's a glorious mission. The greatest part about what is to come is it doesn't matter. So let me explain. We are, tend to be really good at painting pictures of what might happen. 
It's going, it's going to be a Project Blue Beam, and instead it's going to be white hats inside these aircraft that are hidden that look like UFOs, and we're going to, they're going to fly across the United States, and we're going to, it's going to look like an alien invasion, and there's going to be bombings all over the United States, and cities are going to be decimated, but it's really white hats inside those planes destroying deep state targets. There's one. It's a true narrative. And the question I ask is, okay, cool. Sounds like a good story. Could be kind of exciting. Would it definitely keep you like on the deck with your binoculars watching going, man, check the size of that detonation out. You'd be there for a little while. <laughs> Unless one of those bombs actually slipped and dropped into your neighborhood. Then you're going to be like, oh, shit, that was bad. Yeah, well, those can be kind of detonating. But here's the deal, as I'm getting at. All of that stuff that we try to paint and what's going to happen and how we try to say what's going to happen next, it isn't important because our mission has never been anything other than spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, heal the sick and broken, raise the dead, cast out demons, and do greater works. And whether this government is a communist tyranny or whether this government is a corporate cutthroat capitalism, or whether this government is of we the people, or whether this government is, is a king. Our mission never changes. And until that day that Jesus arrives and literally calls you off the front line, the mission never changes. Or until that day that you work to the end of your moments and your breath is taken from you and Father pulls you out of the fight, the mission never changes. So it's amazing to me with all the stuff that we talk about in the forecasting, and I do some of it and you know, but the weight that we place on it is really only balanced, is only as important as the mission which we have to do every day. And if we're doing that mission every single day, we are fighting the good fight. We are fighting the only fight that's true and real. We are in a time of war. There is no question. There should be no denying that. There should be no struggle. There should be no, no questioning where we are. The war is different than anybody has seen before. It's, it's all the things that we didn't expect to come at us. Well, I wouldn't say didn't expect, but for many, they were unprepared. It's a war that was designed specifically to attack and to exploit the vulnerable and the unsuspecting. It's a war that's been designed specifically to cause long-term trauma and damage that ultimately to keep people away from God. These things you can look at, document, and see. And so when you see that side pipe of battle before you and you're seeing the casualties that are all around us, the only thing that we should be focusing on 24-7 are those principal issues again. Because if... The issues of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, healing the sick and the broken, casting out demons, raising the dead is followed, those four pillars, and then adding greater works as God leads. What else needs to be done on the battlefield? Because we know that as we trust in Father, He will bring judgment and He will bring wrath where needed. 
But we also know that we have a merciful God that's trying to bring as many to him as possible. And as frustrated as we may get at times, the mission has such great purpose and such great outcome. There will be some that will be called to literally wield the sword of steel. And that sword of steel will be mighty when they wield it. And they will be called by God and their hands will be run by God. And as David collapsed Goliath, it will not be a personal matter. It will be the direction of God to bring the wrath through their hands upon those that stand before them. That will happen and likely is happening now. But that's something that a few, but the many ultimately are, all have the same core mission. And so all of this noise and confusion around us and the, the hurricanes and the fires and the, the child sex trafficking and the political corruption and the financial disasters and all these things, when we water it all down to the simple focus of what's before you so that you become efficient, you become a tactical machine so that you become a wrecking ball to the, to the deep state and to evil itself, all of those things come down to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, healing the sick and the broken, casting out demons and raising the dead, and then on that occasion doing greater works than he. And right there is what it is that you're forming from your plowshares into swords. Because those four things plus greater works are the swords in which we wield. They are the weapons of war in which we have to engage the enemy decisively and to destroy him ruthlessly. Because that's the heart of a warrior to understand that it's this enemy that we face will give you no quarter, so give him none. Now I can already hear it. It's like, well, we must love them. You're right. We must love those that have been misled. We must love those. But when we deal with pure evil, there is no negotiating with pure evil. And the mighty ways in which we wield that will be led by God. But at the end of the day, there is an enemy that sits before us that seeks to destroy us. And unless you can have the accomplishment of bringing that enemy over, that enemy is be a choice between that enemy and destroying God's child or you facing that and realizing you are a steward of this earth and you must decisively engage, neutralize, and ultimately potentially destroy that enemy. This is the challenge in which we walk. And each one can find that answer in prayer. Because I'm not going to tell you or tell somebody else what that mission will be. We might pray on it at some time. But God knows where that mission is. There's going to be people that are called to do one thing, to pray and pray into love. But don't forget that love is a mighty, is a mighty sword. Love is not easy. We also try to think of love as this soft, squishy, soft, cuddly thing. Love is not that. It's maybe a little bit of that. But love is truth at its core. And truth at its core sometimes cuts deep like a knife because it leaves and it cuts the body open to reveal what's underneath. And it's that infection that has to be squeezed out and bled out and rinsed and drained. And that's often what truth does. And so when we compromise our walk in this time and we start to tell ourselves, oh, I need to go easy on that person. I can't tell that person the real truth. I don't know if I should speak this. If we are not going to step into that arena 
and speak the truths that God puts in our heart, we have failed. And we failed at one of the most powerful engagements of this battle that comes on a daily basis. And you failed in the process of converting your plowshares to swords. So we are here in a war that's demanding truth, a war that's built on deception and lies that the only thing that can destroy it is truth. And the only people that can wield that truth is us. And that sword is mighty. And that sword sometimes will hurt. Sometimes that sword will, will heal. But however that works, the shaking out of all of this is the fight in which we go. And in the spiritual realm, we must be engaged decisively because from there it engages us in the physical. But our mission has never changed. Spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heal the sick and the broken. Cast out demons. Raise the dead. And when it's called, do greater works than he. Because we do have the right to step on snakes and scorpions. And we do have the authority over evil. And all of creation groans, waiting for the awakening of the sons of God. Well, patriots... That hour is upon us. The hour is now. So take the time to prepare a war. Rouse the mighty men. Let the soldiers draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today humbled and blessed. The time that we share in the mighty words that you continue to pass with us and the wisdom that's which you give to us. Father, in this hour, there is just so much that is shaking around us. And so tonight's prayer is for clarity and discernment to walk a path clearly understood that the principal pieces of this path that we are seeking is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, to heal the sick and the broken, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to do greater works. So, Father, with these prayers, we're also asking for the continued wisdom and blessings that will enhance that walk, to give us a greater understanding of the power of healing through prayer, to give us a greater understanding with the power to cast out demons and set others free, to give us a greater understanding to the depth of the meaning of raising the dead, and to give us the strength in seeing over to the times when we will need those greater works. Father, you have put us in this time and this place in a most amazing way. This is the hour that we have been living for our whole life. And, and the hours now as we the hour that we now face is a critical moment of decision, discernment, and threshing. Let us be that voice, Father. Let us be that wisdom. Let us be that that person that walks in this space, that people don't see us, but see the power and glory of Jesus that flows through us. Let us be the inspiration for those that are lost or feeling that they can't find their way home. And let us be the uplifting force around us as we love thy neighbor and stand boldly against the enemy and defeat him. 
Guide us in this hour, Father, and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. There is such a thing as pure evil. And we must be able to discern that from those that have been co-opted by evil. Obviously, prayer heals. And love is mighty. And love dis disarms. But the power of the love of Jesus is so incredible. It can't be described in words. It can be, in, it can be felt. It can be experienced. But it is incredible. And it will disarm nations. It will disarm whole armies. And if there's one thing that I pray to, and I pray that we all share that prayer, is for God to open up that gateway, for Jesus to walk with us, and to let us have that opportunity to be the emissaries of that type of love. A love that truly transforms. Keep your, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us and he'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots. I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe.